You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. It's a Thursday edition of Huddle Up, a football podcast. Recorded on a Wednesday, though. But you won't see the difference. It'll still be out on Thursday. I guess you will see a difference. I'm going to try to put it out earlier in the morning so that we can get it on the morning drive to work instead of on the way home from work. But this episode is different. This is special. I've promised guests from all around the football world. And today I finally have Dr. Jesse Morse. Is it Morse or more? I'm sorry. I should have asked that Morse beforehand. Morse like the code. Morse like the code. Today, Dr. Jesse Morse joins us. He's adult and pediatric sports medicine doctor and a co-host on the Fantasy Doctors and Injuries 101 podcast. You can find them at the Fantasy DRS. Welcome to the huddle, doctor. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate you being here. One of the first questions I'd ever asked you was right after Alex Smith's wife had posted, it was just a few months ago, Alex Smith's wife posted a video showing different steps throughout his rehab process. And I, it just took me back to all of the Alex Smith that I wish I was paying more attention to. So I'm just going to get right to it. This is the first question I ever asked you out of the blue. Can Alex Smith, could he ever play football again? Yes, but it's very, very challenging. The, the, The main issue with Alex Smith is that he suffered a very significant fracture but unfortunately the bone came out of the skin. So when that happens, as gross as it sounds, you dramatically increase the risk of infection. Um, it's almost a hundred percent. Uh, and, and it, it's, it's so crazy amount, the amount of hardware that you have to put in the amount of time and the bone that he did. We know that he has had 17 different surgeries on this one leg, uh, in the past, uh, 16 months, uh, somewhere around there, uh, maybe a little less than that. Wow. Um, that's, I mean, if that doesn't speak volumes, I don't know what, what does 17 surgeries as, as telling as that is his silence has been telling too. not that he was ever a vocal outward personality, but throughout the whole thing, we had talked about this right before we hit record that people are forgetting about Alex Smith. And that's part of it, I think, is because of his nature is that he's not constantly thrusting himself out there. But he's been on the the Washington Redskins roster all year long and nobody has said a word about Alex Smith. I mean, I agree. So here's the problem. If they cut him, they're losing about 32 and, and, and some change million in dead money. So it's in their best interest to see if he can come back. Remember, this is not an upper extremity injury. His arm, his shoulder. His elbow is fine, or as far as we know. This is a lower extremity issue, so he has to be mobile enough to come back. Yeah. If not, he's a sitting duck. Uh, and, and, and he was seen throwing passes back in October. I mean, we know that's not the issue. Um, but when you have infections and then you have tissue that builds up and it has to be removed and you wear these crazy braces and uh, it's... Uh, I, I personally would love to see him come back because that would be a great story. Will it happen? I don't know. He's 35. He's not exactly a spring chicken. So it's harder to, 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 to heal when you're 35 than when you're 
25. It sounds like you're, you know, cautious, it sounds like you're really cautiously optimistic. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it sounds like the answer is probably not, but I hope so. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, as we see that, uh, I mean, he was very good at what he did. And there's a reason why he went one, one to San Francisco. I mean, he, he was, he was very good at what he did. Unfortunately, he suffered this horrific injury. Um, he, he was a very uh, good game manager in my opinion. Um, he, he's not going to really win you the game, but he's probably not going to lose you it either. Right. Kind of reminds me of Ryan Tannehill from this year. Yeah. Um, and, and that's very effective as we saw. Um, but I just don't know if if the long road to recovery, if it's going to pan out to him getting back on the field and being able to do it. I'm hoping it would be. I really, I really hope he can. I, I think there's a good chance he can. But but we really need some updates in 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 the kind of the off season. I wish that I would have had the last time that he did speak fresh on my mind and and maybe even in, in the soundboard because he made it sound like he wasn't done playing like he didn't want to be done playing i believe that whether or not he's done playing and to be honest without i'm not a doctor you're a doctor but i'm just a person that saw a man's leg broken in that way and i don't i don't as a lay person don't see a way that alex smith can come back from that but it's exciting to know that he is just 34, 35 years old and that he has a lot left to offer football. I expect Ryan, I expect Alex Smith back. I was going to say Ryan Tannehill. Sorry. I expect uh, Alex Smith back. I don't know if he's going to be playing, but he will be back. You mentioned something earlier though. There was the words about lower extremity injuries or, or traumatic leg injuries. And, and that was a question that begged me about Gurley. Todd Gurley's obviously had an ACL issue and recently this season, all of a sudden arthritis has come up. I'm so confused about arthritis in the national football league. And the more and more I think about it, the more confused I get here. Todd Gurley has a relatively clean bill of health In 2013. He sprained his left ankle. He missed three games. I think that was a college year. Mm -hmm. Georgia 2014 non-contact ACL tear 2015. Mm -hmm. That's Go ahead. That's what caused every, all the issues right there. 2015, a turf toe missed one game as a, outside of those three injuries, there's nothing to, to report. And in June of 2019, a trainer admits that there's an arthritic component in Todd Gurley's knee. First of all, what does that even mean? What is an arthritic component? So uh, let me kind of step back and break this down. So the ACL is essentially a, a big rubber band in your knee that crisscrosses uh, that allows you to run and stop and turn on a dime. Without an ACL, you can't really do that motion, which is obviously vital for the majority of athletes. Um, can you live a regular life without an ACL? Yes, people do it all the time. But can you be an athlete? Probably not. The knee just won't hold up. So when you have an ACL tear, uh, about 30 to 40% of the time, there is additional damage, uh, usually in the form of what we call a meniscal tear. We hear the term meniscus a lot in, in particularly in, in football, um, or if you're a basketball, you know, fan with Zion, but, um, the meniscus is the shocks for the knee equally as is important, maybe, maybe even more important than the ACL. So my suspicion is, even though we don't have confirmation of this, is that he had 
and a pretty significant uh, meniscal tear at the same time as the ACL. And when that happens, you're essentially, uh, you, sometimes you have to remove some of the meniscus because of how torn it is, or you, you try to suture it down, but it just doesn't take, it doesn't have a good blood supply uh, when you repair or rebuild the new ACL. The problem with that is um, you are removing the shocks for the knee and still expecting the shocks to be there in some capacity. You know, you're not removing all of them. That would be uh, suicidal, but you're removing some of them, maybe 15 or 20%, depending on how big the tear is. And unfortunately, you then get back and you start running at these high volumes, two, three, four hundred count, uh, carries or, 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 um, you know, routes and, and the knee just simply can't handle that amount of volume, um, on a newly repaired, uh, uh, knee with a, you know, decreased amount of meniscus. And that starts to uh, create a lot of inflammation that starts to create a lot of rubbing, uh, a lot of fluid and, and different substances come into the knee, which then can start a, a degrading process of the cartilage, which indirectly is essentially arthritis. So the way I, I in my mind, and, and a lot of, I describe it to my patients and they agree with me is think of, uh, arthritis as, as, as a bunch of ice crystals forming in the knee. And when you, um, when you get up in the morning, uh, you have you have these ice crystals in every little nook and cranny of that knee, and when you get going, they start breaking free, and you feel better. And then you sit down, and the process repeats itself. That's kind of how people describe it: is that there's this stiffness. Uh, they don't have the same range of motion or same burst as they did if they didn't have arthritis. And and obviously, there's grades of arthritis and so on and so forth. But uh, the levels uh, of, of of damage w- with an ACL tear. Uh, definitely to lead to a higher risk of, of getting arthritis much sooner. There's without question. I actually had a patient yesterday who tore her ACL in one knee 10 years ago skiing and, uh, the other knee was completely fine. And I compared both of them yesterday. Um, and the, uh, one knee with the ACL, uh, tear had uh, pretty moderate arthritis, whereas the other one didn't have any arthritis at all. And they should have been an equal wear. So it just shows you how much that, a damage to the ACL and, and likely the meniscus um, indirectly uh, leads to a significant increase in, in damage to the future. And, and, and they're accelerating this damage because of how much they're using it, how often they're, you know, uh, running and, and, and how, how many times he was running in college. And then the first couple of years of the pros. And we saw that when they decreased his volume significantly at the end of the season, um, Last year, when C.J. Anderson was uh, looked better than Gurley, and you're like, well, "How is this possible?" That's because the knee just you, he couldn't calm it down like like he wanted to. Well, that beg that begs that begs two questions for me. I'm sorry, I was on mute for a second by accident. That begs two questions. First of all, I think I understand. You're saying essentially ligament damage. I think you were used the word crystallizes. Does are there physical crystals? Like are there things? It's more there- of a, that, that's more of a an analogy that I use in my head. There's no quote unquote actual crystals, uh, but that's just uh, a good way to think of it and a good way to kind of imagine it in, okay. in, in your head. Um, if you if you just Google knee arthritis and you start to see the amount of damage that, that it can do, um, it's just it, it's it's destruction of the joint, uh, depending on how early you get and. 
these guys are doing things that technically the body shouldn't really be able to do um, at very high levels at and you know very often. Uh, so unfortunately, they have a much higher risk for injury than somebody that's not doing th- at this level. Well, my my question, I guess I have two questions. First of all, Tom Brady, Allen Robinson, Dalvin Cook, Adrian Peterson, Keenan Allen, Todd Gurley all have one thing in common, a torn ACL. And I could go on and on from, from 2013 to 2017, according to a Chiefs Wire website, there were 202 ACL tears in four years. My question is, with all of those tears, I really don't, I can't think of a time in history where we've talked about an, an NFL athlete having arthritis and that affecting his, his game. So is there something about Gurley's injury that's different than Adrian Peterson's or Darius Geis's or carry on Johnson's? I'm thinking about other players here that we're not worried about yet that maybe we should be worried about. And what makes Todd Gurley different? What makes him a, a, a different? Uh, there's a couple components to this. One is position uh, in terms of on the field. That's why Brady is not running. Brady is pretty stagnant. Okay. Um, you know, Alan Robinson, while he's running routes, he's uh, not cutting on a dime in between defenders uh, 15, 20 times a game, every single game. Uh, so it's a little bit different. He's running a route uh, and whether or not he gets the ball, he stops, but he's not taking a hit on every play. Okay. Um, you know, uh, the Dalvin Cook will um, likely have arthritis um, in the next five to 10 years, uh, but no two knees are alike in the form of, uh, their damage. You know, you got to think about how much wear and tear did, um, Gurley have in college? How much did he have in high school? How, was he a track athlete? And the answer is yes. Um, a lot of these guys have a lot more wear and tear on their joints before they even get to the NFL than other people, you know, and then you have the genetic component. I've, I've always stated that in my opinion, Adrian Peterson is a genetic freak. Um, it's just, it's, it, there's something about him that he, he, he's just the, um, he's the exception, not the rule. Okay. Uh, when someone, you know, when someone comes back from ACL, typically it's about nine months to return to play on average. Uh, but in actuality, they traditionally don't really uh, perform well until about the second year, which is why we saw Delvin Cook explode this year um, as opposed to last year, um, which is why. Uh, but but the, but why I go back to Adrian Peterson. The is, same is true about Allen Robinson, by the way. I, I totally 100 percent. I'm as a, not a doctor, as just a guy who's been watching football for just a little while. That trend is 100% on spot. The the year after the ACL injury is not as productive as the year following that. That's the year where you get your guy back. The crazy part about Adrian Peterson is, though, he came back after six months after surgery and almost beat Eric Dickerson's record. That is just freakish. And he continues to do it uh, day in and day out for these past many years, whether or not he's doing it for money or for fame or for records or whatever. Um, he's still doing it at a 
pretty high level. Um, so it, it, despite having a similar ACL tear, we don't know how bad the additional damage was, but so he's a little bit of a, of a freak and an exception that you, you really can't group him in, in my opinion, because, um, because he just, nothing really seems to stick to him as opposed to everybody else. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's totally crazy. Well, the, I guess then my last question about Todd Gurley and the arthritis specifically is when I think of arthritis, I think of grandma under the weather, it's raining outside, it's getting cold. My back hurts. I'll take another prescription. Obviously that's not the same. I don't want to say that it's the same at all, but uh, it, it's definitely similar, but to scale, I mean, it scales properly, I would believe. And, and what isn't, is it a pain management issue? Are we talking about a structural problem with Todd Gurley here? Or is it, Hey, coach trainer, I need another shot. I mean, what is it? And so is Todd Gurley here, lost here. to, is that possible? Can he be lost to arthritis? Is that a thing? Oh yeah. I mean, so here's the issue. There's only so many things that they can do to his knee. They can't put cortisone injections in there every week. I mean, they can, but they're going to stop working. Um, and mind you, these are things I do every day. Um, they can, they have some, we have something called a gel, which is a, vic, a very thick viscous material that uh, helps to kind of cushion the knee and mimic the, the cartilage. You can do that, but it, it, you, it's only going to help so much. You can do PRP or stem cell or bone marrow aspirate or ever, you know, whatever you want. So you can do all those things. The problem is it's a structural component. And at the end of the day, he, all of those things are a temporary thing that are going to buy him some time. But when he starts pushing hard again, um, the, the knee's not going to be able to respond in, in, in as quickly as he'd like. And as a result, he's going to uh, eventually uh, have to retire because he doesn't have the same burst that he used to. And he's probably going to need a knee replacement in his 40s uh, if, unless he just continues to live through misery every day. Man. Unfortunately. Yeah. Wow. Maybe earlier. Bummer. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and, and another guy that, that is really scaring me, um, is Darius Geis. Darius Geis has very, very similar, significant injuries to his knee, uh, that, uh, the way he is the very aggressive nature of his running, um, the, the combination of injuries, uh, to the knee is very scary, uh, huge red flashing lights very early on in his career. And I, I personally don't think he'll ever really be able to be the, the back that people had hoped he would be because of injuries. He, he, he you know, I was adamant about making sure that uh, I didn't, uh, I wasn't high on him this year because of that. And, and, and unfortunately it ended up being true. We saw him break out a little bit, <coughs> excuse me, but then he, had a setback, a pretty big setback. Um, so he's going to have uh, a very similar course of action to a Todd Gurley, uh, maybe not as much high, but he's definitely going to have uh, just as many lows with how bad his knees are already banged up at such a young age. You had mentioned retirement with Gurley and not that Gurley, you did not suggest that Gurley should retire, but you had mentioned retirement with Gurley. You mentioned at a young age with guys Recently, Luke Kigley has retired at 28 years old, seven Pro Bowls out of eight seasons. Yeah. Remarkable. Five-time All-Pro. Five-time All-Pro out of eight seasons. 
this was this was sad is really what it was. And then, of course, I watched the Aaron Hernandez thing last the other day. I know. Right. Which was kind of icing on that cake. And and they're not by any means connected, but they have there's a little bit of, of, of some of that in there in terms of CTE. But um, here's the issue. And I, I really commend uh, Luke uh, Keekly for doing this. Um, he was the epitome of dominant. I mean, he was arguably a top five guy every year. Uh, and he was for the most part able to stay healthy. The only thing that he could not prevent and, and prepare for is concussions. So, uh, thankfully I don't see as many cushions, concussions as I used to, but, uh, cause they're, they're very challenging and, and they're frustrating to treat. Um, and, and you're kind of limited by what you can do. But the issue with concussions is that, uh, once you get one, you are at significantly increased risk of getting another one. And, and each subsequent one it, it, traditionally uh, takes a little longer um, and it has a tendency to have a snowball effect. Uh, a lot of these guys are so used to, to playing with concussions or concussion-like symptoms because they were told if you get off the field, you might be replaced. So th- these guys push through symptoms that they shouldn't be pushing at. Um, and it's, and it's significantly causing likely a lot of brain damage. Unfortunately, um, the, the, I remember a, a Gronkowski interview at one time and they asked him, uh, it was not too long ago. Uh, and they asked him how many concussions that he thought he had had over the course of his career and in college and maybe high school and and, and the pros. And he said, probably around 20, if not more. And he said, I specifically remember five that I had blacked out. And I don't remember really anything around the event. Um, so these guys hide these things and, and it really hasn't come to the forefront of of football and medicine until like, you know, the past couple of years where we've essentially scared, uh, the, the league, the, the players, uh, into, finally saying, yes, I have a concussion and I'm afraid of the possible long-term consequences. I mean, Carson Wentz took himself out of his only ever playoff game because of a concussion or what he presumed to be a concussion. He was right. So, I mean, now the times have changed over the past couple of years where guys are no longer willing to grin and bear these crazy symptoms because they've seen the crazy uh, situations like Junior Seau and, and some of these other guys who unfortunately happened to take their life, whether or not it had anything to do with a history of concussions. It's hard to prove, but uh, it's it, it plants a big of an, a big enough seed uh, to scare them, and 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 and, and that's I think where where uh, Luke uh, Keikley's head was at, uh, and, and it, even though we only have uh, technically three documented concussions, um, I bet you he's had probably three or four times that amount. Um, and, and and if if you ever get an honest answer out of him, I bet you he would be able to tell you that. Oh my, twenty fifteen concussion. 2016 concussion, 2017, another concussion, one, two, three in a row. And when you said three to four times, my skin crawled. Yeah. I mean, it's a harsh reality. Sports Illustrated called Luke Keekley the poster child for concussion issues. And they cited yeah. three concussions as the magic number. I don't know if that's true. You're the doctor. I'm not. I read Sports Illustrated. You're the doctor. So um, is there a magic number? No. Um, is there a a time when 
you should probably hang it up. Yes. And it's unique to each player. I think Brendan Cooks is on the verge of that. I think he is one concussion away from hanging it up. And I'm uh, really surprised um, he didn't sustain another one uh, at the end of the year. So there's some interesting data and studies that show uh, there is a significant increased risk of another concussion within 90 days of the last concussion. I want to say it's like sevenfold increase or something. I don't have the data in front of me, but it's significant. It's, it's very significant. So these guys are at very high risk for another concussion uh, pretty much throughout the entire season. If they had one at the beginning of the season or in preseason, pretty much the whole season you're at higher risk. So if you have a, a, a subtle blow that normally wouldn't cause a concussion, maybe now it does. Um, the, the issue with these is that um, each of these small concussions um, – it takes a toll. Their reaction time can be a little slower. They have issues with sleeping. They get they get very moody. Their energy levels are all off the charts. Um, there's so many crazy symptoms that these guys just learn to live with because they're told, um, you know, grin and bear it. Uh, they used to give Tordal shots, which is a, a very potent anti-inflammatory slash painkiller, uh, like they were candy. Uh, and, and now we're very, very careful with them, or at least uh, layman's terms we are. Uh, I can't speak to the NFL docs, but um, these guys just used to grin and bear it and, and were told, you know, that's what you do. They no longer do that. They know they're much more cautious with their body and with their mind, which I, which I'm happy to hear about. But that's what happens when you have some of the best athletes in the world retiring by the age of 30. I mean, you have you had Megatron, you have Kirk Keikley, you have Andrew Luck. I mean, how many you know top 20 players does it take to retire uh, before they turn 30 for you to realize that this is a very you know, in, injury prone, deadly game. Uh, and, and, and it may not be worth it, you know, physically. You've been listening to huddle up a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at huddle up NFL and at commissioner mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay huddle up. in the huddle. Huddle up. Team on three, one, two, three, three.